This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Convinced living water changes everything one life at a time. Therefore, I encourage you to watch this, and I hope that you are indeed today awake. This is my life. 
but that may not be your kind of music. I love it. (laughs) But if it's not, the message is clear. We need to be awake and not asleep at the wheel. And that's what encourages me. That's what I like about this group. The words to their music are good because they're biblically grounded. We need to be awake. We need to have the Spirit breathe into us life because only is life found in Him. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. So I hope you're awake today, and if you aren't, you probably are now. (laughs) But let's get ready as we continue our journey talking about the empty chair, talking about seven reasons why people don't do church. And I want to say that we specifically chose do church because especially at North Lake Church, we do not want people to merely come and attend. That means spectate. We want people to come and do church. We want people to come and be the church. We want the church to be alive and well. Amen? Amen. So coming to do church, and why is that not happening? And Please understand, in every sermon series, I know that there are are areas that we may not directly touch upon. As you study and you look and you get on the internet, you'll find all kinds of reasons that people give for not coming to do church. But these are some ones that we have pinpointed that are there that uh, the, the world is talking about of why they don't come and do church. So uh, that's why uh, we're talking about this. And number four, this is the fourth reason people give of why they don't do church. It's full of hypocrites. Now, before we all get on our uh, horse, let's remember that there's a part of that that is true about me because I am not perfect in every way. I stumble. So we're going to talk about what do you do about this because truly I believe it has to do with whether you are walking after and practicing being a Christ follower versus whether you have become a religious drone. (laughs) There is a difference between being a Christ follower who stumbles and gets back up with his eyes on the cross and being a religious drone who says, I have arrived and every time you make a mistake, you sweep it under the carpet real quick and hope no one's looking. Okay, That's what they're talking about. They're tired of seeing that. They're tired of seeing us excuse all of our shortcomings and point everybody else's out. So we need to be very aware of the fact that we all fall short of the glory of God. Amen? We all fall short of the mark. Amen? Uh, I'm just going to ask if you guys would please watch my microphone very carefully because uh, we've had some of those who have said I get a little hot on Sunday. So I'm going to ask, just make sure we pull that down because... I can't promise you I may not get hot. (laughs) 
So if you can watch, that would be great. Uh, so uh, this is one, number four. Let's just review very quickly. Seven reasons. Number one, church makes me nervous. We talked about this. They don't feel like they belong. And this is important because uh, it means that we aren't reaching outside the four walls of the church. They ought to know us and see us in our community enough that they are invited to come. And they're comfortable coming because they've seen you in the community. They've seen you interact with them as neighbors. They've seen you interact with them as co-workers. You see what I'm saying? So uh, that was the first thing we addressed, that we need to be outside of the walls of the church making friends uh, with those who are in our community. And then number two, football games. And we talked about the fact that why would they want to come to church if Jesus is no more exciting or full of life than a football game? Truly, we need to understand that serving God is more exciting than a football game. A football game is only a game. It lasts a moment. Serving Jesus lasts forever. And we need to also celebrate victories. Even if it's one yard that has been gained, we need to celebrate with our brothers and sisters. You need to spur one another on, encouraging one another. When there's a victory, sometimes when it's fourth down in inches, you'd be surprised how many people scream their head off over an inch. We ought to be willing to celebrate the same as God's people. If it's a victory, it's a victory. Hallelujah. And then, may I say, there are times when you're at the goal line, and you know what? The enemy scores a touchdown. And we need to also learn that when one of us fail, we all fail. And we gather around one another, and we encourage one another to press on. That happens in football as well. So we talked about that. Then we talked about uh, sleeping in. The fact is, is the world has kept us so busy, so full, and our lives are just run and burn the candle at both ends that they're, we're, we're tired on Sunday. Sunday's my sleep day. And I talked about the reason I think that, that there's some connection to the fact that the world is sleeping because the church has been asleep at the wheel. Because truly, when people see Jesus, they will awake. <laughs> they will come. I've heard some people tell me. <laughs> in fact, I, I, I can't, it was a while back, but someone said, you know, Pastor, I, I tell my friends they need to come just to watch you burn. <laughs> and I've said, you know, Jesus is the fuel for my fire. And all the glory be to him. If that's what it takes for people to see Jesus, I want them to see him. And so this morning we're going to talk about uh, hypocrites. The church is full of hypocrites. It's, and what they're re meaning is it's not real. Authenticity is what they're looking for. And I will tell you, especially in the generation growing up, because they've been hurt, they've had people offer them phony after phony after phony, and the world continues to offer nothing but phonies, because that's all they have, that they can, check, they can check and spot a phony, something that's not real, 
three miles away. And so when the church is not being real, it doesn't mean perfect, it means real. It means authentic. It means that we are really doing church. We're not playing church. It means we're being the church. We're not saying we are the church building. It means living the church. Living the church life. Living that, that full gospel in the book of Acts talking about the Holy Spirit doing things church. Well, Brian, I, I don't know. I think those days are over. Well, I don't think they are. So turn with me to the scripture that we're going to be looking at today in Romans. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 13. This is what it says. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give a preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted in prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, Practicing hospitality. Wow. That is an incredible description of what the church ought to look like. That is an incredible description. And one of the things I have been talking about, and I hope that we are grabbing a hold of it, I'll mention it again. It's not enough for us to have said, I saw so-and-so on Sunday morning. We've got to be better at being the body of Christ. It is not to just come on Sunday morning and say, well, I hope that sometime during the week they make it. We need to start loving one another deeply. We need to, you say, well, how do I start doing that? Start with someone. If you look and you say, wow, I've got maybe 150 people. I'm never going to be able to do it. You'll just never do it. Start with your neighbor. Start with who's around you. Introduce yourself. Find someone. Invite them out for coffee. You don't have to have this big, long thing. Pop popcorn. You don't have to be a gourmet cook. Just meet with one another. Just connect with one another. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about, and that is love. But let's describe what actually hypocrite means first. Because hypocrite literally means a person who puts on a false appearance of virtue or religion. Okay? And, and this is a better, a person who acts in a contradiction to his or her stated beliefs or feelings. What it literally means in, uh, and, and all of us can probably finish this sentence, if you don't walk the walk, don't talk the talk. Jesus was the first one that coined this phrase. 
Now you say, well, no, that's not true. Yes, it is. He did it when he cursed the fig tree. The reason he cursed the fig tree is the fig tree was doing exactly what this was. He was promising figs, and when he got there, there was none. And the world doesn't like that any better than Jesus does. The world doesn't like coming to the church and finding that it's nothing but a bunch of leaves and that there's no real thing of Jesus happening. So we've got to do good at loving one another. We've got to do better at loving one another deeply. If we're going to see the harvest that I believe God wants, it's going to come when the church starts saying, "Lord, you know, Lord, we're going to start being the New Testament church. Again, we're going to be that church. I believe that God has given uh, North Lake a call to step out and lead the way in being that church. I believe it that God is saying, would you be willing to say, for us, we know and believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we will believe that God will do that. So then let's move to this. What it literally means is being a play actor. A hypocrite is being someone who is a play actor. Now, you've seen us do lots of plays, uh, take on lots of characters, but that's what it means to be a hypocrite, to take on a play and play a role who really is not you. And we ought to never do that when it comes to Jesus. There is no room for play acting in our relationship with Jesus Christ. It needs to be authentic. People need to know, even when I fail and miss the mark of God, even when I fall and I have to go to somebody and say, I was in sin, please forgive me. That's being real. We need that in our home. We need that in our marriage. We need it with our children. We need it with our church. We need it with the world. When the world sees that we fall as Christians, they don't need to see us put on our mask. They need to see us go to the cross. And they need to see us talk to them and say, I failed you. What I did was sin. Forgive me. That's real. That's authentic. People can see that and say, I like that. Amen? So what am I talking about? The first thing I'm talking about, and he talks about it here in the Scripture. Let love... Be without hypocrisy. Now, I, I love this photo because our love ought to stick out so much that it looks something like this with an absolute plain background. Our love, you ought to be so full of God's love because His Spirit dwells in you that your love sticks out like this heart on a piece of wood. It sticks out. You can't help but see it. If you were walking along and you saw that heart, it would immediately draw your attention. If we are so full of the love of God, that's what will happen. And we're not drawing attention to ourselves. 
We want to draw attention to Jesus. We want to draw attention to His love. We want to talk to them about the reason that my heart looks like that is because of His great love. Amen? It says here that our love needs to be without hypocrisy. It means sincere. It means it ought to be authentic. Again, I tell you, that does not in any way mean that your love will be faultless because we're human. There will be times when your love will fail. There are going to be times when your love misses the mark. When that happens, simply say, Lord, thank you for the cross of Jesus. Help me to keep my eyes on the cross, to not turn back, not excuse it, but to thank you you've given me power to overcome it. Amen? Because he will. He will empower you to overcome it. Love is a powerful thing. Love is what is happening here in all of these verses that we're talking about when we're talking about serving the Lord, when we're talking about devoting ourselves to prayer, when we're talking about giving to the needs, especially of the saints, when we're talking about practicing hospitality. None of that can happen unless we have been changed by the love of God. Because if the love of God hasn't touched our lives, truly, when we are by ourselves, we cocoon, we become all about self, and there's no one else in the world but me. And a lot of our, our world is living like that, and unfortunately, it has spilled over into the church. But the church was never meant to be like that. The church was meant to be a living, thriving organism. It is meant to be alive and active, full of love. Love responds in an entirely different way. Love hates what is evil and clings to what is good. Love automatically gravitates to anything that is good. And it shuns away from anything that will cause harm and hurt. That's what true God's love is. In fact, the scripture says in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, God is love. And that, in other words, the, that's the very essence of who he is. All right. So how do we deal with overcoming the, the, the hypocrisy? First, we need to have genuine relationship and be touched by the love of Jesus Christ. When we have been touched by the love of Jesus Christ, it is authentic. You know that you have. Now the second point, moving along has to do with practical. 
You say, wow, that's boring. <laughs> I mean, the, the slide looks boring, doesn't it? I did that purposely. I mean, there's nothing joyous about practical, is there? I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you another thing. There's nothing joyous about having to turn a wrench. But I'm telling you, that is one of the most practical tools ever if you're in trouble. If you need one of those tools, that's as practical as it gets. And to be practical means it's useful. It means it's, it works. <laughs> practical means it works. And so, as you look at this passage of Scripture... Let me encourage you. When we step out in obedience to do the practical, God will move in the supernatural. Do you hear me? That's what's exciting about it. When you step out in obedience to do the practical, God will move in the supernatural. Now, maybe it would be supernatural if we would be in practicality. Because we've got a lot of practical things that we can do. And I, I want to encourage you It's not that God isn't speaking to us about what to do practically. I have found in my own life what it is is I'm not listening. Do you hear me? It's not that God's gone on vacation. It's not that God is not doing anything anymore. It's that we have become so dull to hearing the voice of God. We can't hear Him when He asks us to do something practical. In fact, I will tell you, if you are looking for God to do something supernaturally, stop sitting around thinking of wonderful, glorious, spiritual things and do something practical. You say, oh, Pastor Brian, that's silly. No, it's as simple as someone stopping to pray for a headache in class today. If you don't mind, Rose, Rose, talk to me about a person walking, she's a co-worker, walking into Walmart, struggling with migraines. She just stopped and said, well, I can pray for you. She prayed. Fifteen minutes later, the migraine was gone. It's been one year she hasn't had a migraine since. Hallelujah! That's something someone just simply did something practical. God's looking for us to be obedient in doing the practical. He will move supernaturally. Praise the Lord. And I have to say this. Listen to some of these things. Practical. Doing what is good, loving, being devoted to one another in brotherly love, 
I understand in a family, we all have different personalities. It's true. I'm dealing with practical. If you think everybody in the church is going to always think exactly like you and always just agree with everything you think, that's not practical. Even with the pastor. But what it does mean is that you can agree to love one another and practically be devoted to one another because of the Spirit of God that's in your brother and sister. Because He draws us together. He brings us together as family. You are family. When you're in His family, it's family forever. So... God created that family member. Just keep remembering that. But this is, I, I want to grab a hold of this because, again, practical, when I talk about being practical, I understand that it can be boring. I understand that you can just think, oh, man, it's like, having to eat my peas before I eat ice cream. Now, i got to be honest. I, I, I think if there was a vegetable that could cause my gag reflex, it's peas. I mean, I, I don't think I can hardly get them down. My esophagus closes. <laughs> it just something inside my esophagus just closes right up. I see some of you are relating to that. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I need to slather them in butter and cheese or something. <laughs> but the fact is, is that the practical can somehow seem like that. I mean, uh, I, I have found some new ice cream. <laughs> and... And it's, 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 a, I, it's a good thing, but it's a bad thing. <laughs> but unless we have the practical, what I'm trying to say is we can sit and say, Oh God, if you would just do this. Oh Lord, if you would just move. Oh God, if you would just do a miracle. But until we move to do something, God will not do anything. God is looking for a vessel who will say, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. I'm listening, Lord. What will he tell you to do? Something practical. God knows you can't heal anybody. But you can pray. God knows your neighbor cannot be saved by you. But will you go talk to him if God says to? See, this is what I mean by practical. In fact, I want to give you this analogy. It talks about that we ought to be fervent in spirit, never lagging in diligence, serving the Lord. There is a, a phrase, I talked about it in class, 
it disturbs and doesn't sit right with my spirit. And it was the bumper sticker that came out that said, Try Jesus. Like he was an ice cream flavor. That is how we've presented sometimes Jesus in America. No wonder we don't have authentic Christ followers and any power in the church. It's time that we not say, well, try Jesus. Why don't you give him a minute or two and see if... Baloney! That doesn't work! If serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose this day who you will serve. If it is the world and you haven't had your fill of it, I, I mean, do you hear what I'm saying? We have palated Jesus to an ice cream flavor. God forgive us. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be shouted His name. It's like the Daisy commercial for sour cream. Give them all a little dollop of Daisy. I don't want a dollop of sour cream. I want my burrito slathered in it. <laughs> a dollop won't do me. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, if Jesus were a sour cream, you won't get by with a dollop. Slather yourself with him. When we decide that we will say, Lord, I will be obedient to the practical, then God will move and he will supernaturally do mountains, moving mountains, miracles, healings, deliverance. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me tell you, God is not a liar that he should tell a lie. He is the same. God's character does not change. God's arm is not too short to see what your need is. You start doing something practical. I'll never forget the story. I may, may have told it, but again, the lady, there she was. She dug a hole everywhere, all over. She went to a foreign land, bought a piece of property, was dedicated it to the Lord, was going to start a church. No water. They dug for a well everywhere they could dig. It was the last chance they had. They dug a hole. And after digging the hole, it was dry. They came to the lady. They said, that's it. We can't do anymore. She says, I want to go to the property. They said, there's nothing you can do. 
She says, I want to go. She got to the last hole where they dug it. She walked up to it. She looked down at the bottom of the hole, and she looked up and she said, God, what are you going to do about this? And she walked away. By the next morning, there was water everywhere. <laughs> she did something practical. She, she just did what she could. There's no way she could have caused water to come out of there. But she simply believed that God Almighty was true to His Word and could make water come out of there. May I tell you that you may be in a place in your business, in your co-worker, in your life, in your family, where you say, Brian, it has been dry, like those dry bones you talked about. God knows exactly how to cause an abundance of water. Praise the Lord. The last one. Prayer. It says they were devoted to prayer. Devoted to prayer. Jesus talks to his disciples in the gospel. They come back to him and they say, why isn't that we weren't able to cast out the demon. Why is it that we didn't see these things? And Jesus said, because these don't come out but by prayer and fasting. There are some times when, again, in doing the practical, and prayer is a foundation of his church. Prayer is what God has asked us to do. We talked about that in Chronicles 714, if my people who are called by my name will just humble themselves and pray. And I'm, I'm ashamed to tell you I've been on the other end of saying, well, we can always pray about it when I've reached my end. As it was the last thing on my mind. And I say, God, forgive me that that going to you in prayer would be an afterthought after I've exhausted everything else. Maybe, just maybe, if we'd say, God, you know what? Anything in all my activity will be nothing but my arm of flesh anyway. If I don't have your direction and you don't tell me what to do, I need to pray and seek your face. Because if you aren't going with me, I'm not leaving. Moses had it right when he said, God, I don't care if you've told me you're sending an angel. An angel is great, but an angel ain't nothing compared to the captain of the hosts. Jesus is the captain. And when we say, God, I'm not leaving till I know you're going with me and you're speaking what I need to do. I'm telling you, when you do that, you're going to find that power happens. Now, all of this that we're talking about, love, practical, and prayer, has to do with the fact that the church says, well, I don't want to go. It, you know, it's full of hypocrites. 
And I understand it's a generalization, as I told you already. All of us can have an area in our life where we say, I'm not, I'm not meeting the mark like I should. But what we're talking about is a lifestyle. When the lifestyle of the church has become a religious drone, you say, well, describe that for me, Brian. It's a person who has had an experience one time with Jesus. And they come and they check their Sunday off every Sunday. But there's no practical Jesus anywhere in their life. It doesn't mean anything has changed. It doesn't mean that anything is different. It just means I bought my ticket, what I think is going to get me into heaven, and I go to church. That is not the gospel I have read presented in His Word. The gospel I hear presented in His Word is without hypocrisy. It's authentic. We need to be authentic. Yes, they're going to know we're imperfect. So when you fall down, when you sin, use the Word because... Again, I've told you, Jill and I have found if we don't use the word, we won't take responsibility. When I say something cruel to Jill, you mean that's happened? Yeah, it happens sometimes in your home. And when we try to practice looking at the person and saying, I'm sorry that word came out, it was sin, forgive me. Because we don't like to call it that. In fact, what we usually do is, well, I'm sorry that I said that, but you shouldn't have. Isn't it? When really what we need to do is just own our part. God's responsible to them for their part. God doesn't need any deputy Holy Spirits. He's one, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) He doesn't need little ones. So allow the Holy Spirit to work on them. Take responsibility for what your part is. So this type of thing is what will show the world that there is true authenticity in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's not about being perfect, but it is about being a genuine Christ follower filled with power because we're praying, because we've been touched by the love of God, and we are practically letting that gospel work out in every relationship, in every area and arena in our lives, including on vacation. No one ever takes a vacation to get away from God, I hope. God wants to move in His church. He wants to move. People need to see authenticity, just being authentic, being real. And when they see us loving on one another, I'm going to review it, we need to love on one another. How many of you made a connection with someone here in the body? They may not be here physically this morning, but in the body of North Lake Church, how many of you connected with somebody other than church? Raise your hand. Fantastic. Good. 
Praise the Lord. Let me encourage you to continue to foster that. Have people over. Again, you don't have to spread a, a nine-course meal. Have popcorn. Have coffee. J just love one another. There's something, there is something in the Scripture that I think we need to practice. There is, there is something relaxing and powerful about just sharing food with one another. Sitting down long enough to, to sit across from the table because when you start to eat, you relax. And then you begin to talk. I love the, the little, uh, there's a little phrase that I've seen on uh, pieces of wood and, and other things you can hang up that says, stay long and talk much. That's a good phrase. You'd be surprised what you are missing at North Lake Church because we cocoon ourselves. We come, we go home. We go to work, we come home. We're not living, we're existing. Authenticity means that we love and we interact and we really be family. Amen? You say, Pastor, how's that going to happen? And we grow at the same time. It means that all of us are going to have to start doing it so that we become an example to those that come in. It becomes part of our culture, part of, our, part of who we are. Well, is that good? Yes, that's the church. We ought to be modeling the church. Amen? Amen. So love, practical, and a dollop won't do you, and prayer. We need to be saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Bow your head with me.